Welcome to the Pathway Podcast. This is the second and final week of our series, The Love of the Father. Executive Pastor Mitchell Neldon wraps up this series by examining our motivations for serving God and others. Stay tuned after the sermon for this week's Next Steps. We are wrapping up the Love of the Father series. It's just a two-part series, and we're focusing on the book of Jonah, right? Short book. Uh, you were encouraged to read all four chapters last week. Hopefully you did that to give you some, some context. We skipped over a lot. Uh, after today, we'll probably have hit uh, almost every single verse in the book of Jonah. But um, the first thing I want to do is I want to open up with a question. And the question is pretty simple. Have you ever missed out on something because you had a bad attitude? Has that ever happened to you where there was a situation... You're invited to be a part of something. I see some finger pointing. Don't be finger pointing, okay? This is about you, not the person sitting next to you. Uh, yeah, and this happens to me all the time. Believe it or not, I have a bad attitude quite a bit. And when I was a teenager, I had a bad attitude uh, a lot towards my parents. Like a lot of teenagers, I know some great teenagers. I wasn't one of them. I was somebody who who thought my parents were kind of dumb and, and talked back to them a lot and, and that kind of too cool for school teenager. I've, I've matured. I'm not like that at all now. I'm, I am so humble and not too cool for school at all. But my dad, he worked, he worked a lot. He loved me a lot and demonstrated in, in many different ways how much he cared for me, and, and I'm so thankful for my dad. And one of the ways that he did that was how much he worked. He worked a lot. He still spent a lot. He never missed one of my sports games. He never missed something that was, that was uh, like that caliber of thing that meant something to me. He was always there. But he did work a lot. And we moved to a small town called Hazen, and we had this two-acre lot that our house was on. And so it took a long time to mow the grass. And with my dad working so many hours, and uh, he, he thought it would be a good idea if he could train me how to mow the grass. So he didn't have to, during the summer, spend three or four hours every week keeping up with our property. Well, of course, at the age of 12, 13, 14, I had no interest in spending a three or four hours a week of my life doing that. I had better things to do, like watching the OC and things like that, really wasting my life. But I really, uh, my dad wanted me to do this, so he had it in his mind that he was going to train me how to do that. And in my mind, I said, no, you're not. And so I get on the riding lawnmower, which I'm not the most mechanically inclined person in the world, and and uh, it didn't t- doesn't take about five minutes, my dad's yanking me off that mower because I ran over one of our stumps and about broke the whole riding lawnmower situation. So uh, my bad attitude, looking back now, caused me to miss out on something that would have been a great help to my parents. My mom worked too. It would have been great if they didn't have to think about mowing the grass and one of their lazy sons could take care of it and, and so they can focus on more important things. My bad attitude put more stress on my parents. I missed out on an opportunity to contribute to what was going on in my household. And yet my parents still love me. My dad still loves me. And, and uh, God's love is like that as well, where he doesn't want us to miss out on things because of our bad attitude. Yet we try our best to use our bad attitudes to get out of things we don't want to do, or we allow our bad attitudes to not fully participate in the things that God, that God has for us. So in the book of Jonah, if you were here last week, you know a little bit about Jonah's attitude and just how bad that was. But just, we'll give you an overview, run through a few things. At the beginning of the book, God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. 
And then Jonah runs from God. We all know that part of the story probably. And then the storm comes. Jonah's thrown overboard. And then when he's thrown overboard, the storm stops. But then Jonah's swallowed by a fish. And then after three days and three nights, he's spit back onto dry land. He then obeys God and goes to Nineveh and announces God's judgment, the original job that God gave him to do. And he announces God's judgment on the city of Nineveh. And God does amazing things through Jonah in this story. There's a reason that if we grew up in church, we probably heard this story a lot. Because it is an amazing, fantastical story that if it wasn't in Scripture, it would be hard to believe. But today we will focus not on uh, the typical things that you will focus on, uh, that we focused on last week or when growing up. We will focus on the lives that were changed through Jonah. And then despite Jonah being disobedient and having a terrible attitude, how God still used Jonah to see the city of Nineveh saved. And God's vision for your life is not unlike Jonah's. Jonah was a prophet which meant that God had handpicked him to be his man to speak his word to the people. Whether it be God's people, that was his primary primary audience, was the people of Israel and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, and he was God's man to to speak his word to them. But in this story, Jonah is speaking God's word to a foreign city, a a place miles and miles away from where he lived. And he wanted to use Jonah to see people come to know him. He wanted to use Jonah for him to bring God's love to the people of Israel and Judah, but also to the city of Nineveh. That was God's vision for Jonah's life. And God's vision for our life is not unlike that. The vision statement here at Pathway is to bring Christ to the city of Fayetteville, to bring Christ to the people around us people that we work with, the people that we live next to, the people that we go to school with. That's God's vision for this church, and specifically God's vision for your life. We know this through the Great Commission and through the the works of the church in Acts. We see that God wants to use you to bring Christ to the people around you. God has picked you to be his messenger to the people you come in contact with every single day. And Karen read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read three verses from that section, starting in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And all of this is a gift from God. This is Paul writing to a church in Corinth, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's a big deal in their day and time, and it's a big deal here for us. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. For we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent Christ here and now. God is making his appeal through us. That's his plan for our lives, is that what God has to say to the world, he is saying through us. That is our responsibility as Christ's ambassadors. We speak for Christ, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world, when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Like Jonah, God wants to use us to bring people Back to him, 
to take people that are running from God, to take people that don't believe in him, to take people that may even curse the idea of God and speak to them the good news of Jesus, that Christ has come, God in the flesh has come, and God loves you so much that he sent him and wants you to come back to him. And the only thing that you need to come back to him is faith in what Christ has done. That's Christ's message that we are to plead to the world, to tell everybody, come back to God. It is this simple. It's complicated, but it's simple. Come back to God because of what Christ has done has made that possible. But like Jonah, our attitudes may cause us to miss out on this vision for our lives. Like Jonah, we can get distracted with different things going on, we allow our emotions, we allow our attitudes, we allow what's going on in the world to us to not even come close to prioritizing God's vision for our life that Paul makes so clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What I hope that we accomplish today is that you take your bad attitude that you have a lot of days or you take your attitude of apathy or whatever the case may be or whether it's lack of clarity or whatever the the case is that's keeping you from fulfilling God's vision for your life, and you set that aside, and we figure out together how we can fully participate in God's vision for our life, that we can set those things aside and embrace the life that God has given us through Christ. But first, uh, let's get a peek into, this is a verse we didn't read last week. Let's look at Jonah's attitude, get some more insight into Jonah's attitude and see if we can relate to it a little bit, dissect it a little bit, and see how we can apply uh, what God is trying to speak to us through this story here today. So chapter 4 of Jonah, final chapter of Jonah, verse 4 is where we're going to start. And remember, all that's happened. So this, at this point in the story, Jonah ran from God. Jonah was on a boat, God sent a storm, they throw Jonah overboard, fist swallows Jonah, spit back out, he goes and speaks, announces judgment to Nineveh, the people of Nineveh repent. So the whole city comes back to God. They decide that they are going to dedicate their lives to God. And Jonah, in verse 4 of chapter 4, God speaks to Jonah, he says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? What is Jonah angry about? What's crazy is that Jonah went and obeyed God, but Jonah is mad that the people of Nineveh repented. Jonah is mad that he did his job and that the people of Nineveh responded positively to that. They could have killed him. They could have ignored him. They could have threw him out of the city. But the people of Nineveh, all the way from the king to the cattle, turned their lives over to God and dedicated their life to serving Yahweh. And Jonah is mad. He's got a bad attitude. Why does Jonah have a bad attitude? Jonah, he went out to the east side of the city. This is verse 5. He made a shelter to sit under it as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's still holding out hope that God would destroy these people. And verse 6. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. God, this is a little bit tricky by God. God is not, don't get me wrong, God is not tempting Jonah. God is making sure that Jonah's attitude, his bad attitude is revealed to himself. That Jonah is left without excuse of why he's feeling this way. 
And so God sends this plant to shade Jonah's head from the hot sun in the afternoon. In verse 7, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. This is not the first time that Jonah wished to die. He was more than willing to. He, it was his idea to be thrown into the sea whenever the storm came in that boat. And Jonah says, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then, Jonah, or then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Is Jonah really mad about the plant, or is he mad about something else? This seems a little bit trivial. Now, I'm not going to, uh, to underestimate the power of the sun in modern-day Iraq. But is Jonah really mad enough about the plant that he wants to die? Because we know that Jonah wanted to die whenever the storm came, and he would rather die than go to Nineveh. So Jonah is wishing for death for multiple times. His attitude is so bad that he would rather exit from this life than participate in what God wants to do with him. In verse 10, the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant. Though you did nothing to put it there, it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Jonah has no love for the people of Nineveh. He would rather die than to see this great city full of thousands, tens of thousands of people, full of women and children. He would rather see that city be destroyed than his prophecy that he cast over the city to come true. Because remember, he spoke five words in Hebrew to the people of Nineveh. And somehow they understood, they got the point, that if they didn't repent in 40 days, that God was going to destroy the city. Jonah did not mention God in his message to the city of Nineveh. He did not mention how to repent. He didn't, what we know from, from chapter 3, he did not give them any clues on how to fix the coming doom that was given to the city of Nineveh. And yet God saw the repentance of the city and gave them mercy and grace and love and did not do what Jonah, for some reason, was hoping would happen. And so what we know about Jonah's attitude and I'm going to make an assumption here, is that Jonah would rather be right about his prophecy and what he desired for the city than for these people to repent and come to know God. God loved these people so much that he overlooked how cruel the people of Nineveh were. He, they, he overlooked how often they had destroyed the good things of life, how they had mercilessly destroyed cities, how they had worshipped false gods, worshipped gods that were about power and about violence. He overlooked all of these things and extended his love and mercy and grace. And Jonah is having none of it. Jonah would rather see the city perish. He cares more about his agenda, his comfort, his desires than he cares about these people. So the question for me is, is had Jonah not, I know that we know this, we know the story, had Jonah not experienced the love of the Father, 
had Jonah not experienced firsthand how much God loves him? Has he not experienced that? And why was there this disconnect between the love that he had seen God give the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah and the love that he had experienced personally? Why was there this disconnect between that and how much God loved the city of Nineveh? And and it's hard to believe that the same guy who prayed this prayer in Jonah chapter 2, and we didn't read this last week, so let's go ahead and read it, verses 1 through 9 of Jonah chapter 2. This is the same guy that, that wishes the city of Nineveh would be completely destroyed top to bottom. In Jonah chapter 2, this is Jonah inside the belly of the fish in the middle of the sea. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple, the dwelling place of God. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, you, Yahweh my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. At this point, Jonah disobeyed God directly. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah runs the opposite direction. Is openly trying to run from God. Tells people he's running from God. And he knows this, and his guilt is so much, and he, his, his lack of love for the people of Nineveh and the job that God has given him to do is so great that he asks to be thrown into the ocean to die. And, and of course, he's in the ocean, and as certain death is coming, God sends this fish, and Jonah registers that in his mind, that this is his salvation, that God is preserving his life in this moment, and that because of his repentance towards God and God's love towards him, that he is saved. Jonah is so appreciative that he prays this prayer and goes on to kind of fulfill God's plan for the city of Nineveh. Jonah experienced the love of the Father firsthand. He knows the love of God personally. He has experienced literal salvation. He deserved to die in the sea. He deserved to die in the belly of the fish, yet God saved him. And Jonah experiences the love of God this way. Have we also not experienced the love of the Father in our lives? Have we also not been in situations where we deserved not good things? Have we made decisions knowing that they were bad decisions and taking whatever consequences may come, but yet the love of God was so great that he gives instead of judgment, he gives us grace and mercy and his love. Have we also not experienced that? Yet I find it difficult, and I don't want to project this on everybody, but I find it difficult to love people that I don't like. 
that I disagree with, that are openly hostile to me and what I care about. I find it difficult to selflessly love people the way I know that God selflessly loves me. I find it difficult to, com- to obey the commands of Christ when he says, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. I find it really hard to do that. And I find it even more difficult to obey 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be an ambassador for Christ, to dedicate my life, every single moment of my life, to reconciling people back to God through my actions and through my words, to tell people that I come in contact with, God loves you, he sent Jesus, there's a way to him and his faith in Jesus, come back to him because he loves you. I find it really hard to love people that much. Even though I've experienced salvation for my life personally. Even though I wake up every day to God's blessings and love and mercy and grace. It's easy for us to look at Jonah and say, Jonah, man, what are you doing? You've experienced God's salvation and his love for you so clearly and so vividly, so explicitly. Yet you still want these people to die? You hate these people so much That at the end of the story, God is speaking to you as if he is here and now in the present with you. He is having a conversation with you, and you're talking to God this way, the person that saved your life. God is speaking to us through Scripture and saying, dedicate your life to bringing Christ to the people around you. Dedicate every single moment of your life as best you can and pursue God and to follow Jesus and that we proclaim his message to everyone. Yet for me, my apathy wins out. For me, my busyness wins out. Yet for me, my fear about how people will respond to that message wins out. For me, my doubts about what I actually believe win out and I say nothing most of the time. I fail to be an ambassador for Christ. I fail to be an accurate representation of the love of the Father that he has for everyone. I fail to be an accurate representation of that. For you, you may relate to some of these things. And just like Jonah, we may be missing out on how God is using us and how he can use us fully to fulfill his vision for our lives. Jonah was still used by God. People still came to believe in God. God was still, even though he was reluctant and actually didn't want to do it, he, he eventually did the things that God asked him to do, and he, God used Jonah in amazing ways. Let's take a look on what Jonah missed out on, though. Because there's a difference between how the story plays out and how it could have played out if Jonah even had an inkling of love for the people around him. And so in Jonah chapter 1, we are bouncing around, so hopefully I don't confuse the mess out of you today. But Jonah chapter 1, we're going to end at the beginning. Jonah chapter 1, verse 15. The sailors picked Jonah up. Okay, so the storm comes. They they figure they're they're about to die. The, The boat is about to be sunk. Jonah's asleep. They wake Jonah up, and they say, Jonah, we're about to die. Pray to whatever God you believe in. And Jonah's like, hey, guys, this is my fault. I'm actually running away from my God. And he's the God of the sea and of everything, and he is about to kill all of us because of my disobedience. And he, has, he, he wants to die, so he says, throw me into the ocean. They don't want to. They try, and then they end up throwing him into the ocean. So in verse 15, the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power. 
And they offered him a sacrifice, offered God a sacrifice and vowed to serve him, to serve God. These pagan sailors that were running around to everybody on the boat, pray to your God, pray to your God, pray to your God, hoping that they will get it right, unsure of who, who God really is, who's actually in charge of reality, who's in charge of our lives. And Jonah says, I know exactly who it is, and he gives them good news in, in a really uh, dark way and says, guys, we're all about to die because of my God. And when they see the storm stop at once, when they throw Jonah into the sea and the storm stops immediately, their response is to offer sacrifices to God and then to dedicate their lives to him. Would it be possible for Jonah to say, guys, this is my fault? And instead of saying, throw me into the sea, he says, turn the boat around. You think God would have stopped the storm? Just as quickly, if the boat would have turned around, and that Jonah, in obedience to God's vision for his life to carry the good news of God to the city of Nineveh, give them an opportunity for repentance and to turn, turn to God, do you think the storm would have stopped? I believe that, that it definitely could. And instead of Jonah being witness to these guys' response, I think that if the storm would have stopped, no matter how it would have happened, the response from the sailors would have been the same. They would have dedicated their lives to God and still would have received a relationship with God because of that faith. But instead, and Jonah could have been there and celebrated that with them and to teach them about God and to put them not on just the path of, of sin, not just to offer salvation, but to also put them on the path of mortification and sanctification and brotherhood and all the great things that come with a relationship with God. Yet Jonah's in the middle of getting swallowed by a fish. He has no clue how God used him with these sailors on the boat. His bad attitude of wanting to die caused him to miss out on salvation for these men. God you will use you despite your bad attitude, but you may miss what God is doing. You may miss out because you are thinking about your busyness, your schedule. You don't really care about these people. You're just, doing, you're just obligated to, to live a Christian life. You, you don't really care about these things. Or, or, or you don't even, it's not even on your, it's on the priority list, but it's so low that it's not even on your radar when God does something amazing through your life. Not only these sailors, but we see, let's look at what God does in the city of Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 6. It says, when the king of Nineveh, this is the baddest guy of them all. He's the one that's in charge of this evil city, this evil empire. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. This is to show his repentance, to show his sorrow for the bad things that he has done. Verse 7, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city not one, no one, not even the animals from the herds and the flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And in verse 10, when God saw what they had done, how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. It's interesting, this is just a side note, 
But when Jonah says to the city of Nineveh, when he says, uh, repent, or in 40 days, God, the city will be destroyed. He doesn't even mention God. He says the city will be destroyed if you don't repent. The word destroyed is used a couple of other times and a couple of other stories, and it could be used as transformed or to changed or made different, wholly different than before. And sure enough, when the city of Nineveh repented wholesale, God, repented. God did not do. He relented and he did not do what Jonah prophesied to do. But where was Jonah? He wasn't in the belly of a fish. He left the city and he sat on a hill so he could see the city, hoping for the city to be destroyed. Jonah missed it. Jonah's bad attitude had him sitting on the side of a hill, cursing that his plant that was giving him shade had just withered and went away. Instead of celebrating fully what God had done in this great city, the first true empire of the world, the capital city of the empire, had just repented wholesale and and 120,000 people turned from their evil ways and turned to the one true God. And Jonah is wishing for his death outside of the city. Man, he missed out. He could have been celebrating that his God now became their God, and they are now brothers because of what God has done. The love that God has for all people has now come, and they have embraced it as a city. And Jonah could have been celebrating with them. He could have been showing them how to live like God wants them to live. And yet, where is he? Talk about a bad attitude. God still used Jonah despite his bad attitude. And Jonah's motivation as, a, as his messenger was not at all like, like God's motivation. He was so bitter, and his lack of love was so strong that he wished it, an end to his life. And this story is amazing, and we see a lot of people's lives changed through the acts of Jonah. And God, what we know from the story, is that God uses people, despite their bad attitudes, he uses people to change the world. That he uses people's lives, even though they have bad attitudes and they want to miss out on on it and they they don't want to fully participate, God still uses those people. And even though how God is using you is not even on your radar, God is still using you to change people's lives around you. Your attitude won't keep you from God using you and your life to impact others for his glory. However, your attitude may keep you from being a full participant. The bottom line for today is don't miss out on what God is doing through your life. Don't miss it. There's a lot of things that will keep your attitude in a place where you will miss it whether it be lack of love for people that are hard to love, whether it's apathy because of the things that you've experienced in this life. Maybe it's busyness and you're just trying to keep your head above water. No pun intended for this story, but you may be experiencing a busy, busy time in your life and you just don't have time to sit back and to see what God is doing. Maybe it's fear. For me, I am very fearful about a lot of things, and fear keeps my attitude in a spot where I know, and it convicts me to no end that I'm missing out on what God is doing through me because of my fear about random things and seemingly everything, and doubts, oh man, doubts about whether or not God can do it, that runs rampant in my heart and my mind. 
God is more powerful than any of those things. And he's more important than any of those things. The band's going to come forward and we want you to respond this morning as we worship him for the love that he has and the job that he's given us as ambassadors. Uh, when we started talking about this year, uh, this school year, the theme, if you didn't know, the theme for this school year pathway is explore. And we want, to, we want you to explore God's purpose for your life, to explore his mission and his vision. His vision is to see you be someone that brings Christ to the people around you. And as a church, we unite together and we bring Christ to the city, bring Christ to, the, to Northwest Arkansas. Hopefully we bring Christ a lot further than that. But my attitude keeps me most of the time from being a full participant in that. And when we were talking about this, we were talking about the different objections to, to, and the different hang-ups that people would have to this vision that, that God has for, for us as a church and us as individuals. Larry, who does the connection, did the connection cards today, Larry spoke up and he says, you know, when I'm fearful or whenever I'm distracted or whenever I, for whatever reason, am not fulfilling God's vision for my life, I think about the love of the Father. I think about the lengths that God went to to make sure that I know he loves me. And if you think about that, and you think about the, the life of Jesus, God coming down and setting aside his divinity and embracing humanity and being God and man all at the same time, when he did that, he demonstrated great love. But more than that, on top of that, Jesus was arrested as a sinner, arrested as a heretic. Imagine that, God being arrested for blasphemy. Yet that's what happened. And he was put on a sinner's cross, crucified in between two people that deserved death, two criminals. He was in between them. God in the flesh was dying on the cross so that he could demonstrate his love for us. But after three days, he came back to demonstrate that not even death can separate us from God. Our sin can't separate us from God. Death cannot separate us from God. If you're having trouble with your attitude and things are really crazy for you right now and you're busy and you have difficult with things going on, you have difficulty with things going on in the world and you just can't seem to muster up the motivation to fulfill God's vision for your life, to be an ambassador for Christ, remember the love of the Father. Remember all that he's done for you. He didn't have to do any of it. Yet he came as Jesus so that we could see exactly what love looked like and follow him in that. Thank you for listening. We challenge you to take some next steps this week. One, Find a place where you can serve others consistently. Pathway Ministries or local nonprofits are a great place to start. Two, identify who in your everyday life needs to hear that God loves them. Whether it be at your work, home, or wherever, find a time to talk to them about Jesus. The Share Jesus Without Fear strategy is a great tool. For more information about small groups, Pathway Kids, or anything Pathway related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com connect.